Crimson Tower Studios. Welcome to the Old World Podcast, the unofficial podcast for Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay and the original podcast to bring you both discussion and actual play in 4th edition. I'm one of your hosts, Lance, and I'm joined today by one of my co-hosts, Matt. And unfortunately, uh, Steve wasn't able to make it again today. He's like having a new baby and all that, so like apparently that's more important than meeting with us to talk about Warhammer. How dare he? I, he's got problems. Putting family ahead of this. Uh, I'm uh, disgusted. So terrible. I mean, I don't know. I think we should knock him down a status level in the actual <laughs> play or something. So anyway, it'll be just me and Matt. And uh, so there's going to be a little bit of changes to, to what we're talking about today. Uh, but before we dig into the, the show topic and, and everything that we got going on, let's talk about what we have had going on with our gaming experience. What have you been up to, Matt? Oh, man. Well, if you've listened to any of the last couple episodes, or maybe just the last episode, you'll know that I'm, I'm deep in Red Dead Redemption 2. And you haven't this, finished that yet? Oh, I finished it, yeah. Oh, okay. I finished the, the storyline. I've still got a lot of things I'm going back and exploring and whatnot. The Red Dead Online just launched, too, so that's that's like a whole nother game in and of itself. It's like a bunch of DLC and stuff? Well, yeah, I'm sure right. there'll, there'll be that, too. But, uh, man, the, the storyline was great. It was absolutely great. Surprise ending? Yeah. The, the ending of the first one, and I won't spoil anything for either of them, but the ending of the first one is easily the best ending of a video game that I've ever played. Wow. That's... Bar none. When, the, when it ended, I so vividly remember where I was sitting, what I was doing. I, I put the controller down, I stood up, and I clapped. Ah, like, that's awesome. truly emotional. Like, it was that good. Wow. The second one was excellent. I don't think it was probably as good, but it was still very good. Man. Man, my uh, my video game moments that still stick with me is beating Super Mario three. That was an emotional moment for me. There, yeah, and uh, I think Fantasy Star four was the other one. So, to to the best of my recollection, there have been three video games that have made me emotional, like mm-hmm. actually crying as I'm sitting there playing it. Oh yeah, Red Dead Redemption one, Red Dead Redemption two, and Valiant Hearts. Hmm. You ever heard of that game before? No, I haven't. It was a game set in. It was like a a very simple sky, like side-scrolling adventure game, but it was set in World War One. Ah, okay. And you play as a, several different people that are part of this family or friends or whatever, and it shows how they get split up during the war, and you, you play through storylines of each, and at the end they come back together. And I'm not kidding, and I'm not afraid to say that at the end of that game, like as I was approaching the very end of it, I was sobbing. Oh, like uncontrollable sobbing because it was that it was that emotional. Man, it tore me apart. Nice, it's a great game. I have to look into that one. Yeah. So, excellent. Well, I haven't been doing such epic gaming. <clears throat> I actually been doing a little bit of mobile gaming with there's a Mordheim Warbands app. So a little Warhammer hmm. there. Nice. I've I've been doing that and been playing some uh, Warhammer Fantasy roleplay as well. Yeah. Just a little bit, uh, dabbling here and there, in addition to our game. So yeah, that's really all the gaming I've been getting in. Yeah, it's for my my wife and I own a small business, an online business. So this time of year, we're incredibly busy. So my right. tabletop gaming time has dropped significantly, but I am getting ready to run a campaign for a couple friends 
in the Star Wars Age of Rebellion system. Oh, I'm so excited about this. Yeah. I can't wait to, to listen in on that. Yep. So. I've got some really fun things planned for that. Cool. Cool. And I'm going to be recording it, so there's potential for it to be for, for you to hear or others to hear, perhaps. Perhaps. Be, be on the lookout. Um, so, well, let's, uh, we do have a lot to go over today, So, and Indeed. especially in the news section. So, uh, announcements and news. Uh, this is a part of the show where we keep you up to date on Woofrup and related news. So, we scour the web for juicy leaks and bits, that, and bits to satiate your Warhammer Fantasy roleplay hunger. And let me tell you, Cubicle 7 big day. has made it a heck of a lot easier for us to find those bits because they're, they, they hired somebody. They're dropping them, yeah. <laughs> they're communicating... Twitter. Twitter has been our best friend for Warhammer news, I feel. I, that's where I get most that's, of it. But it's on the Facebook page, too. They, they hired somebody. I know they were talking about hiring someone, and yeah, they're putting out the news. It's constant, constant yeah. f- flow of information. But not, not just information, actual free product that we can get. Yes. Which is where we'll start. So there have been two free-to-download adventures that they've released the first one and gosh this is only about a week ago right maybe a little bit more gosh not, yeah Pretty barely close. the first one is uber's Reich adventures if looks could kill and i want to say it's a 25 page adventure with some maps and handouts cubicle handouts. seven i'm a huge fan of handouts yeah throwing that out there and maps i'm a huge fan of maps too map handouts look at that <laughs> best of both worlds yes this one, this one is really good. Um, yeah. Obviously, we're not going to do any spoilers for you guys. Yeah, yeah. So if, if you're uh, someone that's going to be run through this adventure or whatever, but GMs, yeah, don't don't worry. We're, yeah, we won't spoil. Yeah, it. but it looks good. Uh, very Warhammery, and it's got a little bit of everything in there. Just it looks exciting. Definitely looks like an adventure that could kill a beginning character, which yeah. is right up our alley, they, right? Yeah, how they all should be. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a lot of great things about this. The the quality of it is right up there with the coral book, exactly what we've come to expect. Stat blocks for NPCs. The art is really interesting. It's different in that all of the artwork in this is just a like a black and white sketch, which is is different than what we got in the core rule book. But I also understand that they, I mean, for a free PDF adventure, I wouldn't necessarily expect that they go through and do full art paintings for every every piece that's in there. But right, and they they have. Uh... I mean, the core rulebook had some black and whites too, yeah. just not nearly as many. But no, I mean, the artwork that's there though is oh, still it, it's it is quality, very evocative. Yeah, helps kind of set the scene. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of the cover of that too. Oh yeah, um, it's it's beautiful. Uh, it definitely gives you what what the whole end game is about right. there. So. Well, yeah, and you can mm-hmm. as a as a GM, you could either choose to show this to your players or not. Right, or let when them know it what shows to expect. Up. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. When it like, shows oh, up, that's when you're that's like, That's oh, what it looks like. Yeah. <laughs> or if somebody sees the cover, they're like, oh, it's unrelated. That's right. That's, don't need to worry about that. So, but one thing that's cool is in the very back page of this, it has a thing for the starter set, right? A little yep. advertisement, yep. if you will. Yeah, including cover art. And you know what it says below there? Find out more about the 11 adventures presented in the Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay starter set. Yeah. 11. That's like double digits adventures. That's awesome. Well, and I believe that this adventure is intended to be like a precursor, right? Right. Yeah. No, they've said that online that this is part of the the Uber's Reich pantheon of of adventures or whatever. So, yeah. So, Lance, that was the first 
free adventure that was released. The second one is Old World Adventures, The Night of Blood. Awesome. So first off, I want to say I love this. So Old World Adventures, they've obviously done this as like, hey, these adventures that are part of the Old World Adventures series, I'm assuming this is what they're going to do, are going to be like remakes of old adventures that have been previously published and redone, right, right? or updated for fourth edition. Uh, this was adapted from a second edition. First edition, actually. First edition. Yeah, this oh, okay. was one of the very first first edition uh, scenarios. Uh, it's a great one. And uh, we actually have played this. We have. It wasn't until we started, uh, we, we downloaded this, obviously, we're looking at the PDF right now. We started going through it and it all sounded very, very familiar. And that's because this was the adventure that we played at Gen Con this year. Right, yeah. So it looks like Gen Con, they'd, they'd prepped uh, this adventure before and, uh, you know, had it updated with fourth edition stats and stuff. Right. And now we get get it. One of the big things about uh, Warhammer is first edition, especially, is always lauded with these amazing scenarios that really got you into the world. And so I'm, I mean, Cubicle 7, I know you probably can't do all of them, but man, do as many as you can. I would yeah. love to have the complete library of adventures for Warhammer for fourth edition. Right. That would be amazing. Yeah, just having more options is always great. Right. And they don't have to be free, man. Put them in an anthology yeah. uh, a bit book. Put, I'll buy a, it. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> Sandwich a bunch of those together, bind it up, and sold. Right. And to be clear, you can still give us some free ones every now and then. Yeah. That's cool. Drive some hype. Yeah. So, anyway, good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so what's there's also some news about the starter edition. We've been, in our most recent email updating the status of the core book and yeah. collector's edition they said that they still anticipate the starter set being out by christmas or the starter set pdf excuse the me PDF, being out yeah. by christmas yeah so i i mean this was supposed to hit in september but obviously they've said with everything that happened to push the core rulebook back it puts puts the entire line back certainly understandable uh and though they are communicating like i said way more than before so a cubicle seven i'm giving you a thumbs up man uh, like I, I enjoy the heavy communication. I'd rather be able to see something new coming through every couple weeks. But now, hey, they, I don't know if you noticed this, but on their Facebook they said Warhammer Wednesday. So I'm hoping that maybe means every Wednesday we'll get some Warhammer information from yeah. Cubicle Seven. That would be cool. Yeah, that'd be great. So, and then the special edition was pushed back because of the packaging issues. They wanted to make sure that there weren't any damage and stuff, and they sent us an update for that as well. They're hoping that everybody will get those by Christmas. It's going to depend heavily on the postal services with right. the Christmas and everything. Well, yeah, and depending yeah. on where you are in the world, that right, you know. So, but I know they did say that they're spending a lot of money to like airlift a, a bunch of them to the U.S. to try to get it to us before Christmas and everything, which is cool. So, yeah, yeah, and uh, and on top of all this, so not only are they giving us a bunch of news, telling us what's going on, giving us free adventures, but they're also out amongst us. Correct. In some different conventions, too. Yep. PAX Unplugged is currently happening, although by the time you hear this, it'll have finished. Uh, and that's happening in Philadelphia. That's right. And then Dragon Meat, which I believe is in London, it's in the UK, uh, is going on as well. So I know Cubicle 7 is at both of those. And man, I was I, I was looking, Philadelphia, man, how long of a drive is that? Like, right. Yeah. <laughs> you, you texted me the other day out of the blue. You're like, hey, you want to drive to Philadelphia? <laughs> I was like, like hey, you want to what do you want to drive to Philly? Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe someday, not. someday, someday we'll get to that point. No, honestly, I it, it doesn't feel like it was that long ago, but I'm already looking forward to Gen Con next year. Gosh, I know, 
I know I'm sitting here looking. I'm like, man, I'm gonna have to start saving for that soon. Yeah, that's <laughs> this was this year. 2018 was was the year that I I attended way more conventions than I ever have before. I had three, but, two major, probably the two biggest conventions in the U.S. Origins and Gen Con, and then are you Grand gonna Con, try to do here. both Origins and Gen Con again? I don't know, man. Origins was fun. It was it wasn't quite what I expected. Right. The opportunity to have like open table gaming was not. It was a little more difficult to find space, or you had to pay for it, which I didn't love either. Yeah, I, I think I, Gen Con is going to be a God. I, I want that to be an annual thing so bad. Grand Con for sure is. Grand Con is probably my three favorite days in the entire year. Just sit down at a table so and I, just play games. I still need to get to Grand Con with you, but man, Gen Con it's it's a no brainer. It's the price tag. The price yeah. tag is the the problem. But Grand Con, man, that's close enough to drive. I could go for a day. Oh yeah, and, and oh yeah, yeah. So we have... I I really need to do that this year. Make sure I do that this year. Oh, I will. <laughs> okay. I it's it has been recorded. <laughs> I have proof that you said it. I will make sure that you are. Excellent. Excellent. Somebody's going to play that to my wife. So <laughs> nice. All right, man. Well, um, you can find out this information and more at Cubicle 7's website at www.cubicle7.co.uk. That's right. Uh, be sure to check them out. And on Twitter, too. Twitter. And yes. Facebook at and Cubicle 7. And yeah, just type in Cubicle 7 into the interwebs. Those should all come up pretty yeah. close to the top. So. All right, so let's get into the meat of our show. So this episode, guys, is going to be our first in a semi-regular series, which we dive into the various careers of 4th edition. Um, Now, this career system has always been one of the most iconic parts of Warhammer Fantasy roleplay. Oh, yeah. And in this series, we kind of want to select different careers for each of the shows that will do this and review them. So we're going to go over various things, including a description of the career, um, the career advance scheme, skills and talents, how they would impact that career, what roles that the career might be able to fill in your party um, and in your game, and then what kind of advancement options might be ideal or not ideal with that career, like what you can do, you know, maybe what are some iconic ways that you could build a character sure. or, or go with it. So on this episode, we're actually reviewing two. Uh, we're going to be reviewing the Entertainer and the Huffer to get us started. So we're also going to have a long-running poll on our Facebook, which should be, by the time this episode goes out, we should have that coming up very quickly, if not already, um, that will ask you, hey, what other careers do you want us to go to next? Yeah. Right. So um, there are a lot of careers. And so, uh, you know, tell us what you want to hear about. Yes. We've uh, we've made that point very clear multiple times that there's this book is not short on careers. So there's a lot to dig into here. A lot of really, even just digging into the very first one, it's having me appreciate this system a lot more, Right, how thematic it is, and that's just the first of many. First one out of 64 that I've really dug into. So. Right, right. And and this is a cool treat, too. So at the end of the show, we have some characters that we've built, right? And we, we call this our character build-off, our career competition, however you want to say that. And uh, we're going to go through and tell you how we built these two different characters and kind of give our thoughts about them. And then we're going to let you guys vote. Give us some bragging rights. Personally, I think I'm going to take Matt down a notch here. Uh, but let's hear what you guys say. We're going to do some characters at the end of the show. And then then we're going to put up some polls. And I'm going to let you guys decide which character you think is cooler. Yeah. And it's it's Lance's character. And you, you can... It's the Huffer. Yeah. You can uh, decide what the criteria is on that. 
just whichever one sounds better, whichever one you like better, let us know. It's true. It's true. Okay, so man, let's uh, let's get started here. So, what do you want to do first? We want to do the huffer. Yeah, let's get into the huffer first. The huffer. I this is this is one of those of characters that I or one of the careers that before this book I never in a million years would have known what a huffer was. I don't know if that's just that term is not something that in the U.S. that we that I've ever heard or been made aware of. But what is a huffer, Lance? Well. If you take a look at the... Now, if you want to follow along at home in your Warhammer Fantasy 4th Edition Core Rulebook, turn to page 94, where you can see a full description of the Huffer and everything that it's about. And they list off the Huffer as, You pilot ships and boats through the most treacherous waters of the old world. Yeah. So, in a nutshell... You're a boat captain. Like a boat captain, but more than that, a guide, right? You're yeah. the person that knows the river, the nooks and the crannies. You know where the sandbars are. You know, oh, when the water is doing that little rippling effect, what, you right. need to turn to port hard right now. Yeah. This section has like giant fish large enough to swallow a man. Don't get in the water. Right. You know? The difference between approaching that fork in the river, you know, the classic trope of like one side is bright and sunny and one side is dark and gloomy. They know that, right? They know which way to go. Right, exactly. To keep you safe. Like you said, more of a guide is definitely a great way to, to summarize it. Right, and even uh, with all the careers, they have these little sayings, you know, little quotes, which I think are awesome and so thematic. And the, the quote here even talks about, you know, hey, you didn't want to pay for the services of a huffer, and now you got your ship broke on a sandbar and lost all that cargo. Right. Bet you that costs a lot more than it did right. to hire that huffer. So, yeah. yeah, I love it. Well, yeah, I was going to say real quick, sure. and I, I'll try not to repeat this ad nauseum because I could, but again, we've said this before, these career pages are so nice because it's a single page. It is all concise. You've got art, you've got all the stats, all the advancements and everything, as well as three or four paragraphs of flavor about what that career is, what that character is, and, and how how they impact the world. So if right. I'm, again, if I'm when I'm doing character creation with my players, when they're done, I'll print that sheet out so they've got it. Right, for I'll sure. I'll copy that page so that they can see exactly, you know, have that as a reference. Super helpful. Absolutely, absolutely. Specifically for careers that aren't obvious. And even some that you may think is obvious, you know, might, might be obvious in today's day and age, but the Warhammer world is a lot different than what you might be familiar with. Right. And actually, and some might think, oh, well, Huffer for rivers, that doesn't, I mean, the empire is full of rivers. Like the empire lives on the river system. If you listen to Graham Davis talk about, um, you know, in some of the the things he's done, like uh, Gen Con, that Gen Con seminar he did and stuff, he talked about that a little bit. Yeah. The the empire, the rivers are the roadways of the empire. The roadways are way more dangerous than the rivers. Yeah. And And, how quickly you could move a significant amount of product or wares downriver as mm-hmm. opposed to, you know, riding it on a, this is, this was the means of transportation. If you're going any sort of long distance for sure. Right. Absolutely. So taking a look at the, uh, the career, uh, a couple of things to note right up front. So what races are available to the career? Well, currently it's uh dwarves, halflings and humans mm-hmm. and not dwarves, but dwarf. And point that out. Right. Don't, I don't need hate mail. Right. So their their place in the old world, like I said, is you basically, hey, pay us. We'll make sure you get to where you need to go without problems. Right. So the next part that you're looking at in these things is the advanced scheme. Yeah. 
And so the advanced scheme is the big part that you're going to look at. You're going to do your normal characteristic advances and what you can yeah. do. For the advanced scheme for a huffer, they first off, one of the things that's great is that you start with the weapon skill being one of the characteristics that you can advance in, which is great. That means that no matter what, a huffer is going to be able to participate in, in combat and do well in combat. Right, or at least you'll be able to advance yourself up there depending on what right. your starting sure. role was and everything. Um, and toughness, too, is, a, yeah. is one of them. So uh, toughness, initiative, and weapon skill, like those are all potential helpful characteristics for combat. And this is actually kind of an interesting thing. We're going to get into the skills a little bit more in detail in just a minute, but the primary skill, right, the quote-unquote money-making skill for a huffer is an intelligence skill. It's it's lore uh, rivers right. or riverways, lore riverways. Yeah, riverways. Right, and intelligence isn't a characteristic that you can bump until you get to the third level, the huffer. Sure. So I've found that to be the case with a lot of these, mm -hmm. that you're not going to hit that sweet spot or make that character like great until you usually hit maybe the second, usually the third out of the four. Right, right. So that's the third level. The second level is willpower, which willpower is always helpful. Yeah. And uh, fellowship is the fourth level, yeah. which I find fellowship usually leadership type stuff usually ends up being on fourth level. Right. Of, I've noticed that. Careers as well. That's always just. Yeah, it's you know, because you're, now you're in charge of yeah. the operation or the or you're witch so you're so the, seasoned in it that you right. you've got the knowledge that helps make you a good leader. Right. So when we dig down into the skills, uh, obviously there's several different tiers here. And you have the four tiers. It starts off as a river guide, and then it goes to a huffer, then a pilot, and then a master pilot. And those going to range from brass four all the way up to silver five in status. So don't silver five is pretty pretty high. Don't quite hit that gold yet, but right. No, that's still yeah. That's, silver five is sweet. Yeah, that's yeah. still that's that's not that's not too shabby. Okay, so when you're looking at the skills and the talents, the skills and the talents you're going to notice right off, all of them are very tied to the river, to yeah. water, right? Yeah. So things like lore riverways, right? Row, swim, local, yep. lore local as well. Yep. Uh, talents include fisherman and waterman. Like these are all, all built to make your character be navigator, the king on yeah. the on the waterway, yeah. right? Like when when your party is getting to a river. This is the character that's taken charge, right? Um, and it and it's not just at the beginning level, right? On all four tiers, you look at you're going to have that same sort of theme, right? So as you get to tier two, you get skills like navigation, right? And then you start to get some of the more social skills too. Which, by the way, there's a lot of social skills built into this as well. Gossip, cool, uh, entertain, storytelling, uh, charm. These are all that can be very helpful for social things. Deal maker is in there as well. Etiquette. Um, these are all, and then again, more water-related stuff. River Guide is a talent at the second yeah. tier. Some careers will run into this thing where the way that the character might function in the party can change significantly from one tier to the next. Sure. I don't see that very much with the hopper. Yeah, I agree. It, it kind of goes, because even when you're looking at tier three, right, we have more haggle, intimidate. These are still more um, skills that are built on the social aspect, but you still have lore wrecks and sea legs like right. again these are all talents and skills that are for the waterways so yeah. it just builds that up and then the fourth tier has that leadership but it's right there with sail right, right. and strong swimmer so there is a very strong theme for keeps this. it keeps it very focused 
Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, before we dig into the what roles can this fill, because we already touched a little bit on this, but yeah. we really need to have a discussion here, being this is our first episode about the careers, on how Warhammer and filling roles in a party is so different than most other systems. Sure. Well, I think a lot of other systems aren't, are, they, they are much more forgiving. I feel like Warhammer is definitely not forgiving to where if you, you know, if you were going to spend a lot of time on the riverways and you didn't have a huffer, there could be death in your future. <laughs> well, I figure even with a huffer. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. They, they increase your odds of survival mm. slightly, but not. Right. Not definitely. And a huffer is a very interesting kind of very specific, I almost like to call this setting based role, right? Because you put that huffer on a river or even in the sea and there's going to be a lot of bonuses and benefits that 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 character has access to sure right you put them in a desert right well, right it's yeah. a good thing they have weapon skill right you're right <laughs> so but in warhammer you don't run into this right so like if i'm in D, i build a rogue or you know a wizard but you know you have a very specific role that's usually easily determined right you have the and when we talk roles everybody we're talking things like Right, so you have the fighters, uh, range, support characters, right, scouts, right. or the social characters, the face, some, the face yeah. yeah, that you would know. So these are all different roles that you can fill in the party. Well, Warhammer isn't so like locked down to that. Every single character, when you're doing character creation, you're randomizing your stats. I mean, you have an option to build the stats the way you want, but generally, yeah. you're randomizing your stats for your characteristics. Those characteristics, you could you could be a soldier with terrible weapon skill. It, it right. is an absolute possibility. Yeah. And, and in Which, my opinion, I if, think that's really interesting. Yeah. To be fair, though, if you're a soldier with really bad weapon skill, you might want to forego that bonus XP during character creation. Maybe. Maybe. If it's how, you, you wouldn't. You'd no. literally let that be the oh lowest possible. Oh, my gosh. I'd be possible. so excited. I'd be, I'd be the doofus, like, water boy of the army is <laughs> what I would be. It would be great. Nice. But, yeah, so... Roles aren't so well defined in Warhammer. Uh, because of that, because of the way advancement and everything works, usually it's your skills and talents that are really going to drive. Your characteristics can be so random. Your skills and talents are going to really drive what roles you're going to fill. Yeah. But as long as your base characteristics are good, you can still function in almost any role, right? Like yeah. anybody could potentially be the party face just by having a decent fellowship. Sure. Yeah. Right. But there are careers out there that are going to be significantly better at that, obviously, like the noble or entertainer, like merchant classes. There's a lot of classes out there that can fill those face roles. Anyway, so I just wanted to make sure we had a little bit of a like a thought process on that because it's yeah. not well, so simple to put Warhammer characters in a box. Yeah, I, I think we're going to try to stick to that, that terminology just so we're consistent. Right. But... Yeah, prefacing it by by what you just said, I think is is good. Right, and another thing I want to mention too, what role a character might be good at or a career might be good at can be very determinant on the tier that you're in too. Right. Yeah. So you might it can be a dramatic change from one to another. A dramatic change for sure. Mm -hmm. Now, unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, I'm not sure. Uh, the huffer doesn't really fall into that category. Uh, the huffer, its primary, I would say, it, it fills two primary roles: a scout in support yeah. essentially in in those sort of ways. I think you could argue that fighter would be right up in there too. Maybe not as a primary, right. but a secondary. 
Yeah, fighter, because of that weapon skill. And the toughness as well. Yeah. And again, not so easy to put in the box, right? And I would also argue its backup like role is a social character. Um, once you hit tier two and on, you start to have access to a lot of different social skills. Right. Uh, like we talked about, including everything from intimidate to charm to cool. Um, Haggle, is that one of them? Haggle is on yeah. there. Go- you know, gossip. These are all different you know, social-based skills that you have access to, and you get access to dealmaker and different things as well yeah. at those higher levels. So, and, and when you think about it, right, it's thematic, right? So I'm the river guide. As I become more and more experienced and better at my job, I'm going to be the one that's making the deals to, you know, get you through. I'm the guy that's going to help you negotiate the toll passage for this, you know, canal or whatever it's going to be. So it's very thematic, but what you end up having is you should be able to have access to decent weapon skill right at the front. So you aren't going to be as slough in combat potentially if you don't want to be. But you really are going to be, this is key, the Huffer is great on the river. You have so much access to anything. If you're around water, rivers, um, even again, the sea, like just all of those talents and skills are going to help you. The swimming, the rowing, sailing, all of those are built right into this all along. Yeah. Um, It even specifies that one of your starting trappings is a hand weapon that is a boat hook. Yes. I love it. Oh man, that is gnarly. It is, man. I can imagine. how gruesome that could be in Warhammer. Right. Also, like if someone falls overboard, it's really easy to get them. Yeah. They might not survive. Right. That, that's a great point. Right? Those are little things that you don't necessarily think of. But yeah, if somebody fell off a boat on a rushing river, likely you'd have a hopper being able to help in that situation is much higher than, say, a merchant. Right. And uh, yeah, turns out if you don't have swim, you're in trouble. <laughs> it's true. Or if your whole party doesn't have swim. It's yeah. Like, oh. It's not like we've experienced that or anything. No, yeah, not at all. Underground rivers, man. What a mean... What a horrible GM. GM. Am I right? <laughs> so... All right, so then how might we fit these careers into an adventuring party, like for the Huffer? Well, I think, I mean, as a GM, if I knew I had a character who was great on rivers, I'd I'd give them an adventure that's much farther away than they would normally travel, as long as it's something on the river. Make river travel one of the big focuses of the whole campaign or the whole adventure, right? And there's there's plenty of interesting things that can happen on a river. Half of the empire is on the river, right? Right. Yeah, you come across a group of halflings in a canoe, you stop and have a chat with them. Or you, you know, there's a some horrible demon in the water or beast that you have to try to take out. Or, But Matt, my entire career is based on this giant urban landscape like Altdorf. Well. Altdorf's right on the river. That's right. There's yeah. rivers, like you said, there's rivers everywhere. There is. It really is. And I think that <clears throat> unless you're in a desert, the Huffer is probably going to be able to be somewhat useful. Even some of the skills like that Huffer has access to, like including navigation and stuff, aren't necessarily tied sure. to just a river. Yeah. Right? And those Orientation base, is another one that orientation, they have. That, yeah. yeah. And they, they have a lot of initiative-based skills. And initiative is, again, you're not going to be a slouch when it comes to combat yeah. if you, unless you're really not putting anything in to initiative toughness and weapon skill i mean those are good things you're gonna get that's offense defense and getting to go first right so three fairly important things when it comes to combat right right so even if you're not necessarily going to like build your whole campaign on a river or something like that like you said before right just as as a gm 
throw in a session where you need to travel from point A to point B and the yeah. primary mode of travel is a river and yeah. have some stuff happen. Heck, even if it all happens like quote unquote on the boat, there's still plenty that you can really make that huffer shine, sure. right? Or take a look at the secondary aspect, which is the face, right? If you don't already have another face character, even if you're in a desert, like a huffer can have the skills with charm and cool and um, you know, farther out down the line, leadership and, and yeah. intimidate, like they can be your party face if you need them to, or in a pinch, or if your party splits or whatever, you might need somebody to step up to the role uh, to to take that fellowship based test. They're not a bad person necessarily to do it. They have the skills. Yeah, because when I originally, I'll be honest, when I originally started looking at the huffer, I thought man, this seems so interesting, but man, I'd be forced to run an event, you know, my whole campaign on the river. And as I dug into it, I really don't think it's the case. It's not the case. They'll shine a lot more in a river situation. You want to be on the river. Right. But if you're not, you're you're not. not, Right. Right. So. I think the Huffer would be a great career for a new player because being on a river and knowledge of how that functions and things you can do on it is something that's fairly universal. Right. And because it's so straightforward in what your strengths and weaknesses are, I, th- I think it'd be great for a new player. That right. they don't have to necessarily, they may have never heard the term huffer before, but they'd be able to get how they work and how they're helpful more easily than some other roles. roles and, would. and plus with weapon skill and toughness, again, like a new player isn't going to feel like I have no way to be helpful in a battle. Right. Yeah. And some, some players are much more focused on that combat situation or whatever too. Again, hey, if you can handle a sword and you have the ability to, you know, handle a social situation and you just don't happen to be around water, but that's not the end of the world. Yeah. So. All right. So let's talk about advancing into other careers, right? So we talked about like the the several tier levels and stuff. What kind of careers have good synergy and bad synergy? Okay. I want to go back to what we were talking about before. Warhammer is not your D&D system. There's very rarely a time where I am going to tell even a new player, hey, you probably don't want to start in that career and go to that career. It's a terrible idea, right? You're probably not going to want to cross spec. You know, you'll hear that in other systems that way. It's, you're not going to have much synergy. Like Warhammer doesn't work that way. In Warhammer, it's basically, you're going to have access to skills and talents and your characteristics, so you're either going to do one of two things. You're either going to go into a career that has completely different characteristics you can upgrade, in which case you'll just end up being more well-rounded yeah. as a character, or you'll go into That's ones that thing. have right. They have the same things, and then you can continue to build up those characteristics and become better at what you're already trying to be good at. Right. So, again, there's not a lot of quote-unquote downside. Now, Having said that, I do feel that there are, depending on the role that you enjoy more with a Huffer, there are going to be some synergies that might be better or worse for you. For example, if you are really enjoying the river aspect of the Huffer, right, and being on the water, but you want to move out of the Huffer career into a different career, pretty much anything in the river... River folk. The river folk, yeah. The, the Which is folk. another eight or another seven, eight total. Right. Right, and there are a lot of different ways. Like, let's say, man, I like what I'm doing. I want to kind of stick with this, but I want more of the combat. Well, you can go to a river warden, right? right. Or, I mean, I want to be like more sneaky, and or maybe deal more with like you know trading and smuggler, and smuggler, right? Yeah. These are all good options. 
or if maybe you want out of that, there are other things too. Like if you, because if you go just on characteristics, right? The primary characteristics for a huffer that they would use are going to be their intelligence because of the lore waterways and the different lore skills they have. Yeah. And then again, what is your going to be your secondary characteristic? Like, is it going to be initiative? A lot of your like skills that you use on the waterways are built on initiative, navigation, and so forth. Or if you are the face character, it's built on fellowship, right? Or if you want the combat stuff, maybe it's weapon skill. So again, depending on which of those characteristics are going to matter more to you, depend on where you want to go. So if you want to stay in the huffery sort of thing with like initiative, you like you could even go with initiative and intelligence, going to a lawyer or investigator will give you the same sorts of upgrade like uh, with characteristics and get you way more into those other types of, of careers. And it would be a fun way to do it. Right. Now, having said that, so there are careers that might not work as well if you're looking to be focused into one of the areas that a huffer naturally starts focusing. Um, some of the combat careers might not fit exactly. Like we said, like for example... It's more, more based on talents and skills. Right. right. So like a soldier is going to completely forget everything you ever knew about like navigation and surviving in the wild yeah. in the Likelihood river. Yeah, you'll need that is fairly right. slim. Right, or something like that. But the big one is ranged combat. So ballistic skill is not in any of the skills or talents or right. anything into this <clears throat> career. Anything that with ranged weaponry is not a thing. So if you're, if that's something that's important to you, maybe the maybe you should be rethinking the huffer in the first place. Sure, that's an option. So, gosh, it, essentially, I guess this is a part. Final thoughts and overview. I kind of wrote down here. What do you think? What are your final thoughts on the huffer? I I feel like I'm gonna gonna have this to say about all of the characters, and they're a lot more interesting once I dug into it. Right, And I feel like that's going to be the case with just about all of these. I that, agree. That, uh, again, like I said before, I think it would be a good, potentially a good starting character for somebody who's not familiar to Warhammer mm-hmm. because of how focused it is. Yeah. I, it's interesting. It, it's, I think it, there could be some really thinking. I always think of this, even though I haven't GM'd anything Warhammer yet, I always think as a GM that having a player who's going to be useful on the water it just it opens a whole new avenue for story hooks. Oh yeah, right. I agree. Interesting things happening on the water. We talked in our last discussion episode about the travel and how there's a whole big section about traveling on the water on the road and everything that that are going to come up. So having somebody having a player who is a huffer is going to mean or really any of the river folk because they do share a lot of the same yeah, skills and talents. They do. It would mean immediately I'm going to start planning them or planning that they travel or give them the opportunity to travel on the water more. Right. Right. I agree. And I will say this, the Huffer, when, and I did a quick go through for the river folk and stuff, the Huffer I felt like is the heaviest into the actual, like my home is the river and the waters. All the others have definitely heavily themed, but this one, most of your skills are, are really diving into that and you have a smattering of other things. I think that the new player thing, I agree 100%, as long as your GM is going to allow that player to have an opportunity to shine, which means you can't be running a, a brand new player with a huffer in a, in a desert, right? Sure. As long as you keep that in mind as a GM, which you should be doing anyway with all your player characters. Right. Uh, I think it's great. And I would say that this career is definitely a career that is built, and this is, again, just like you said, just like all the river folk, 
this is a very environmentally focused career. It is obviously, if we said it over and over again, focus on the river. So yeah. that's kind of where it shines. And um, I, I think it's awesome. I, I grabbed the Huffer because when I first got the preview article, I was like, what the heck is an a huffer right i had no idea so i was really excited to look in and do this one and like after i did this one making the character as, as we'll talk about in a little while i had so much fun with it yeah so oh yeah I, I i feel the same way about the career that i will be talking about which i believe we're which what, let's let's talk about it man so the first one that i chose to do with this is the entertainer um i don't believe i picked it for any specific reason other than it sounded fun uh and if you're following along at home you can find the entertainer on page 87 of the core rule book so it does say in here that whether you're highborn or lowbrow you distract people from the harsh realities of life which the more i'm learning about the warhammer world uh, <laughs> hard, are, are there is there any reality other than harsh for most people um we're not talking about the noble today. I suppose the noble might uh, the might noble not have probably, it so harsh. Yeah, yeah. It's probably, but even the noble man, like I don't know, what's your life expectancy as a noble yeah. in the empire? Probably you're, not you're as not, old yeah. as you well, you'd think. Yeah, if you're a human, like fifty years is like ancient. <laughs> you're still alive at fifty. Yeah, man, you've done some things right. <laughs> so the entertainer is really, uh, I think, kind of what you'd expect, right? It. The mm-hmm. career paths in there take you from being a street musician up to being a potentially well-liked, well-known troop leader where you have a like a uh, acting troupe that travels along with you. Think almost like a William Shakespeare type. Obviously, that would be like epic level entertainer, but well, you yeah. can really see the path of like starting with nothing essentially because you do start at, at brass three, which is fairly low on a social standing. As a street performer, whether you're playing an instrument or juggling or whatever, ultimately getting up to the point where you you have a lot of influence. Yeah. Actually, the thing I love about the career when I was looking into this, just as a kind of the overview of it, is that this career could be so many different things, right? It encompasses everything from like circus folk to you know the the guy that plays a flute in the tavern to yeah. like there's so many to, different right. things that the, the court jester or it could be to a to a mime or a mimic mm-hmm. standing on the street yeah there's just so much yeah and as i was digging into this career the possibilities as a player are endless and they're real fun so to get some of the basic stuff out of the way the entertainer can be any race, so dwarf, halfling, high elf, human, or wood elf are all options that you have. I'm trying to think back uh, of any examples of a elf entertainer, whether in pop culture or otherwise. Can you think of any elven war dancers? I'm almost a little are... surprised that the elf is even on this list. Uh, well, see, in the Warhammer world... There are war dancers. So wood elves have war dancers, which are essentially elves that go around with double giant swords, and they do this entertaining dance, and they're so agile, so quick, so fluid in what they do. They, they have an amazing weapon skill, and can I, at some point, I fully expect we will have a war dancer career, and it will be limited to just wood elves. Fascinating. And when they're not in, at war, 
their entertainers. Sure. Okay. So, so it exists in the Warhammer world. Sure. Um, I just that's the only example because I can't think of anything in pop culture, but I just. I just keep going back to Legolas thinking he's entertaining. Yeah, he's a, entertaining to watch. <laughs> right. Unless you're on the, the wrong end of that arrow, then you'd be in rough shape. Right. So, yeah, no, the uh, war dancers are, like, probably the only example I can think of, and it's in the Warhammer world. Sure. And uh, so war dancers are... I'd have to go back and really dig into the, the history and mythos of what they do, but I know that they do some sort of entertaining, and they are Using amazing that, on that the battlefield. that skill, that talent yeah. outside of... Yeah, because miniatures are all these like beautiful, you know, elf men that are shirtless with big giant swords and one in each hand going at you in all sorts of weird poses and stuff. That's really cool. Leaping around the battlefield. Yeah, well, there you go. There's a prime example of that. Yeah. So to begin with, their beginning advanced scheme is going to let you build up agility, dexterity, and fellowship, which all make perfect sense because... For an entertainer, what they're going to, you know, their, their beginning uh, career path is as a busker. So having agility, dexterity, and fellowship means that you can do juggling or some, some physical act uh, to try to potentially earn money or draw attention. The dexterity is needed to play an instrument, which you, your trappings beginning out as an uh, entertainer are a bowl, which is literally a container of any kind to collect shillings or, or pennies from people on the street and an instrument, which it only gives you a handful of options in here. And I don't know how many different instruments there are in the Warhammer world, but oh, I expect us to get more in its supplements, yeah. like more examples and stuff. I'm, there's a ton. Well, one of the, one of the options in the book is bagpipes. And I, that, that was the <laughs> beginning man for me. I love bagpipes. I actually own a set of bagpipes. You do? I do. Yeah. Maybe we need to change our opening theme music. You oh, could boy. play some bag bagpipes for us, man. I don't think we want to turn everyone away. Bagpipes <laughs> are one of those instruments where if you're not good, you're bad. <laughs> and it doesn't <laughs> sound good. But you do have a couple other options. There's the lute. You can play a harpsichord, a violin. Um, for me, it'd be, I mean, I'd play the drums in real life. So I suppose if there's, I could get some, uh, get some drums out in the Warhammer world and start and that's the thing. So making some money. if you're playing an instrument, then dexterity is going to be like your go-to for that instrument. But almost everything else that's not built into social about what you're doing is built on agility. Like I feel like sure. agility is the primary go-to talent or uh, characteristic here. Because like if I'm thinking an entertainer in battle, agility is where it's at, right? That's, well, I'm dodging and, everything and, instead and of... An entertainer in battle is... A dead entertainer. <laughs> no, I, I don't mean that necessarily, <laughs> but it's it, they're not built for combat. That's for sure. Not until you get at least up to that next level, where they can start um, throwing weapons. Throwing weapons. Yeah, yeah, you actually don't even you can't even boost your ballistic skill until you hit the third third tier. So that's gonna be that's gonna be tricky, right? As far as being being great in combat. However, there's a lot of other things that an entertainer can do in combat that's really interesting, which we'll get to some of that stuff here in just a little bit. So I I would almost argue that fellowship is the most important, depending, again, on how you want to build this character. When I built it, I was looking at charm being one of the most important things because charm can boost. First off, the farther you go, you can eventually get to where you can charm on animals. Yeah. Yeah. Animal care, animal training. Yeah, Yeah, and I... Yeah, there's there's some really interesting stuff that goes along with that as well. 
Yeah, you know, and now that you're saying that, that actually makes a lot of sense. So I guess, again, it's it's so versatile as a char- character because right. think about this, like I was thinking, oh, like the the Wood Elf War Dancers or like the circus people flipping around doing all that, like, oh man, agility is going to be so important. But, you know, you're absolutely right, right? Like if you're doing stuff to get money or talking, like there's so many things, like public speaking, I think right. is a talent, well, right? Well, yeah, public speaking is a talent and so is attractive. Have oh, you read yeah. the attractive one? Attractive is cool. It's crazy, right, <laughs> that it's going to boost your fellowship or it's going to be based off of fellowship. So the attractive talent basically says that you're very good looking, right? And right. That, that will charm people that you're speaking with. So if you are successful with a charm test, you can choose to either use the success level that you rolled or success level based on the ones digit of what you rolled. But let's say that you need, you know, you only got one success level, but you rolled a 29. Well, you could instead use nine and have nine have your nine levels. success levels, right? So That's you huge. pair being attractive with charm, and you, man, you could sky's the limit, right? That's right. You walk into town, you, you just... could talk people out of their pants. <laughs> like, hey, guy, I like that coat. Let's talk for a minute. <laughs> Next thing you know, you're strutting through town wearing this sweet coat. That's a really interesting talent, and I'd mm-hmm. be hard pressed to not take that as my starting talent. Oh yeah, hard pressed. Yeah, for it's, sure. it's it's good. Yeah, so I'm already the, thinking of the things that I might do with that. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I, yeah. There's there's a yeah there's a lot of good stuff in here. So some of the other starting skills. So athletics uh, is going to be a good one. That another right. is going to be something that would be important in uh, potentially the combat situation. Some of the other ones that make me just super excited to play. The number one for me is sleight of hand. Yeah, because. First off, I love magicians. I think a street magician like David Blaine style is... It, <laughs> think about how captivating that kind of person is. And if you were on the street and you see even like basic sleight of hand is really impressive. Right. And how you could be a, a, such a great criminal, right? Right, You right. could steal money from people left and right if you were really skilled at sleight of hand. Right. There you go. That's a good pairing. Yeah. Pair this with Bod or something. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. So once you hit that next level, you uh, that's when you actually become, quote-unquote, an entertainer. That also lets you boost up your weapon skill, which is great. So basically, that first... And you get melee First basic. career path, yes. Yeah. Maybe yeah, no, that, that first career path as a busker, you're, you want to hit that next level as quickly as you can. That's going to make you definitely more well-rounded and be able to do something strong in combat. It's not until you hit the third that you actually can start boosting your ballistic skill, which is where I think this would be at its best, right? Being able to use a ranged weapon or even just throw things, whether it's throwing knives, that kind of, for me, you could think about like uh, juggling, right? Right. So you're, you start to juggle knives or axes or something, and then you end up chucking them. Axe juggler. Yeah, oh. an axe juggler that ends I'm up in throwing love. axes. That'd be legit. That'd be legit. Yeah. Wait a second. Dwarf can do a dwarf, a dwarf. axe juggler. Yes. Man, I kind of wish I. I'm gonna. We're gonna have to trade. <laughs> yeah. Write that down. <laughs> now I, I. I'm real excited to play an entertainer at some point. Yeah. Because I. It, yeah. It does sound fun. Gosh. Dwarf axe juggler. Man, I'm just. I'm gonna be stuck on that all day. <laughs> well, and I'll. I'll make this last quick point about that first tier. Suave gives you a permanent boost of fellowship. Which is super important. So, right. Suave is a no-brainer talent. Yeah. Plus five to that characteristic is is again, it's a no-brainer because fellowship is one that's real important for this this character as a whole. 
once you hit that second level, again, you can you start to get your weapon skill. You can start boosting at that point. Uh, some of the talents that are really interesting here are contortionist, which could let you really squeeze in or out of a tight situation. You know, if you could, yeah. if there's a a little opening in a wall that nobody can get through, and you don't have a halfling or a gnome with you, which should we even talk about gnomes? I know there's no. potential that they'll hey, be out in the well, future. Well, actually. Um, so actually, the Grognard Files recently had a podcast where they had Graham Davis on there, and they talked just a little bit about some gnomes. So yeah. I'm I'm hoping that's like a hint that we're, we're gonna see gnomes. I love come. gnomes so much. I, I all of them, all of my yeah. end game like high level characters on World of Warcraft were all gnomes. Yeah, I had Vinal, who was a gnome rogue. He was my first like high level level. Gosh, I stopped playing when it was level eighty. But rest assured, once we get gnomes as a playable race. <laughs> I'll have a gnome. Uh, even if I end up dying immediately, I'll still have a gnome. <laughs> it's like, oh, there's a cliff. I go jump off it. Great. Here's right. my new gnome character. Yeah. GM. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, Autocar, he, he got ill. He's dead. Here's his friend. <laughs> he got the, who happened the to come ruts, to town. the bloody ruts or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so another interesting talent that you can get at that second level is jump up, which... I read through that, and basically it says that if you're ever knocked prone, you have the ability to become unprone to stand back up just by passing oh, I missed a test. that one. Oh, that's awesome. Which is, could be really helpful in combat. Well, I mean, especially because be... you take uh, certain conditions can, can knock you prone. So it, it doesn't sure. let you remove the prone condition? So you are hard to keep down. You may perform a challenging agility test to immediately regain your feet whenever you gain a prone condition. Yeah, no, that's awesome. It's in combat, getting down to like zero wounds and stuff can automatically knock you prone and different stuff. So right. that's uh, that would be hmm, interesting. Yeah, I'll have to look and see how that all like works together. But no, that's that sounds really cool. Yeah, um, I actually okay, I got to say this because it's been staring at me. But I love how on the Entertainer, the tier two, where under trappings it has selection of scripts that you can't read. Yet. Right. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. you don't actually hit that read-write talent until you hit the Troubadour, which is rank three. Yeah, so the for the trappings, costumes, throwing weapons, because once you hit tier two, you can start to boost, or you can uh, mm-hmm. have range throwing as a skill. So right. you can't boost your ballistic skill, but you can, uh, you can start working on that skill. So for me, I think this character, uh, this career, would become most interesting once you hit the third tier, which is Troubadour which is essentially like a poet or a singer. However, this is where you start to get the animal skills. So animal care, animal training are both in there. And it's funny, the other day when I was prepping for this, I was thinking about different like pop culture references or whatever mm-hmm. of animals and people and how they work together. So the first one that came to mind is Aladdin and Abu, where like right. they're in this, this busy street and Abu distracts the shopkeeper so Aladdin can steal a watermelon or whatever it was. Right, right. So some other examples are Princess Jasmine and Raja and then Jafar and Iago. I don't know why. I just, just stuck with Aladdin. It's top nice. of mind. My kids have been watching it recently. It's a great movie. <laughs> but, I mean, training an animal to help in an act or or even... even uh, not necessarily something that you'd work like in a, a an entertainment dog. act, or but like a even a horse, right? right. Trick riding is mm-hmm. one of the talents that you can get. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's some cool. real fun things you could do with that too. Yeah, absolutely. You know, if you think you could be, uh, once you get the ballistic scale, you could boost that up. Uh, 
riding around on horseback and doing like mounted combat with a bow and arrow. Like you'd be riding, you, you could run circles around a, a goblin or an orc at, at a distance and just start loading them full of arrows. Right. And yeah. I no, just want to be... do that. Yeah. You could do a lot of cool stuff with this because it's just depending on the animal, right? Like even like a bird of some kind could be yeah. really useful. Yeah. Right. The opportunities are really endless. Another thing, another great way you could play this would be the Master of Disguise, which basically means you don't need a disguise kit in order to hide your de- identity. Yeah. Right. Okay. So tier one, some of the talents you have access to are mimic and public speaking. So if you paired that with Master of Disguise, you could just about impersonate anybody. And I don't necessarily think, because Mimic actually specifically says that if you hear an accent, you know, have access to an accent or a voice, you can mimic it if you succeed on this test. So if you're hiding around the corner from a couple guards, you hear the guard captain come over and bark some orders at him, and he leaves. A few minutes later, you can mimic that. If you roll right, you could mimic that. Get those guards out of there. Command that they, they come to you right away. Perfect. Opportunities Perfect. Are, are wide open. I which... never even thought about that. That's oh yeah, that's great. And then and then so, on top of all that, this is one of those careers that has that whole kind of shift in focus when it gets to the fourth level. Right. You have the ability to you gain the skill to drive. It's got the leadership as well. I mean, there's. I guess I guess it's not a, a complete departure from it because you still have a lot of fellowship based skills. Right. But yeah, fellowship's huge. Again, that's why I think suave is so important. Right. Once you hit the fourth level, which is troop leader, you can also get the plus five bonus to intelligence. Right. Which is the sharp talent. There's interesting stuff in here, and of course, here we go. Play the jingle. Things Matt loves in in rule books. <laughs> the. We really need a listener to send in some sort of cool jingle, things that Matt loves, or something. Things Matt loves in role-playing games. I don't know. You put some music to that, and we'll, we'll use it on the show. Anyways, what my point here is that when the drive skill, which is you know driving a, a horse or a carriage or something, there's a crash table. So if you fail bad enough, I th- think it's like negative six, then you have to roll a d10 and something bad might happen, whether it's the wheel comes off or you injure your passengers. Oh, I completely forgot about that table. Oh yeah. That's in there. That's awesome. I've, Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Snapped harness, jolted carriage, broken wheel or broken axle. Your vehicle goes out of control and crashes. Ah, I, just, I, I need to re go through the skills chapter again. Just, uh, well, there's so many in talents uh, too, right? Yeah, there's yeah. so many talents. You might not even think about, you know, mm. half of these I haven't even really looked at too closely because they're not, you know, necessarily in a character right that character. you're GMing or playing, right? But you pairing two talents together or a talent and a characteristic or a talent skill can can end up giving your character a lot of life and a lot of vitality when it comes to actually playing. Right. So I think if you have a player who is really outgoing, if they're the life of the party, if they like to be center of attention, they like making people laugh, or if they have any acting ability or improbability you should encourage them to play this character because I think somebody who has a lot, who's super outgoing, who has some talent in ad libbing situations, they're going to, they're just going to run wild with this. They're going to have so much fun. Right. It's a great character and can fill a couple different roles too. Right. Yeah. Some of the roles 
I definitely think, I mean, with their fellowship being so high, they could be the face of any group. Even right out of the gate, they could be a face of any group. Yeah, I agree. I agree that they have all the skills and talents right up front to to be the the face character for the group. I right. agree. You know, those social situations where you would, unless you got a noble in your group potentially or something like that, you're probably going to default to right. to them. And even if you have a noble, like even if you had an entertainer and a noble, right? A noble isn't necessarily going to get along well with lower classes, right? Like sure. Maybe the noble will get you access to well, the palace, but it's you're not going to go to an inn with the noble and get very far. Well, and here's that's where the entertainer comes in. Here's another thing I love, and I didn't intend for this, but it also does relate back to Aladdin. <laughs> you you could be an entertainer who can act and who could somehow afford really nice clothes, and you could just pretend to be a noble, right? Right act like a noble or if you see a noble you could try, try to mimic or whatever but think about thinking about aladdin with that giant parade coming through this, right, the city right. of agarbah he's a, a street slum right but here he is just pretending to be something he's not and right. an entertainer can do that and they've got the characteristics to back that up absolutely right no matter what they always the face of the group is always going to be a a role that they could fill right but each of the four character career paths they're always going to have that as an opportunity. And, and I feel it's part of the face too. Like they, and, and you've alluded to this a couple of times, they make a great, excellent infiltrator too. Yes. Right. So um, maybe they're not the one like sneaking behind stuff or whatever, which they probably could do pretty well with some of their talents and stuff. But um, the whole impersonating people thing, right? The impersonating. Yeah. Just the art of distraction, right? Right. Sleight of hand. You could, if you can do something that distracts people, if their attention is is in one direction, then there's a lot of things that can happen behind their back. Whether right. that's sneaking up on them and killing those people, or it's just sneaking into a you know a town or a a building that you're not supposed to have access to. There's a lot. There's a lot of things to do there. The fact they have uh, athletics means that they're they're going to be able to you know pairing athletics and agility. You could get up and into an open window that nobody else could really reach potentially. Right. Right. Or, or squeeze through that little opening if you have the contortionist talent. Right. And, and I also think they can make a good support character too. Like the yeah. ability to like handle situations where you might handle party morale and stuff, which is, is more a role play heavy situation, yeah, but sure. being able to play music and stuff like that. I, I definitely would argue with my GM on certain things to, to maybe allow some recovery or different things on certain, yeah, depending on the situation. Which, so one of the things that the entertainer really isn't, especially early on, is great in combat. I don't see them being able to really handle themselves until you hit at least tier three or tier four. Right. Once you can start really boosting up that range, the ranged combat, I think that's that's where they would shine. Again, if you get be mounted and being able to volley arrows, that'd be such a fun character to play. Well, with a super high agility, their dodge would be pretty good. Yeah. But again, you're that's just trying that's to not avoiding get hit. It, yeah, right. It's not, it's not going to help you win the battle yeah. necessarily. So. Yeah. If you were going to try to build it, either transferring them into another career or even just with another party, the hunter is a great career I think they would fit well with. I agree, actually. And in, especially, you could even go to the hunter quickly um and get some of those like ballistic skill talents and stuff that you're looking at and it would help bring them as a good support character also with the animal thing right like so the horse riding and stuff like that would pair well with the hunter stuff i think an, another one would be spy spy for sure or or scout even right those scout. Were, yeah yep, those are I both agree. ones i thought of charlatan 
pretty much I mean, any face character, honestly, would yeah. be a good fit. Like if you're trying to go the route of the face character. You know, the way I've, I kind of saw this and how I built it was that they would be this loud, boisterous thing. Right. You don't have to be, right? You could just as easily, I mean, there's other ways of performing and playing, mm-hmm. you know, instruments or, or performing that aren't loud or draw, or, I mean, they'd still would draw attention, but you you wouldn't be forced into being, you don't have to be the face character necessarily. Right, no, you could, like, I even thought, like, you could even, this, there's a lot here where you can go very agility-based with it. Like, you could build this character, ignore the performance kind of stuff, push heavy into agility stuff, and then move out of the career into a yeah. combat career, and then you could, you know, potentially have a really good dodge or something, you know, like, you could do something like that, or just to get some of the animal handling talents and things right. like that. So there's a, you could do, but the animal handling is pretty far up. So I don't yeah, know that you would want to dedicate to this. But, but even then it's not, the requirements to get up there aren't outrageous compared to some of them. I mean, some, some of them you have to have, you know, you have to own a warehouse. You have to have oh, a well, significant amount of money wise, to yeah. try to, you know, to get the trappings for it. Right. To hit Troubadour, you need a trained animal, which I, uh, I mean, you don't necessarily need it, right? That's really right, up to, like, up GM to discretion. But yeah, but... I mean, the, the, I almost feel like trained animal is something that would come from be, from hitting that level. Right, but see, like, the way I think about it is think about this as a troop leader, right? So if you take a look at kind of the progression, now I imagine I'm the troop leader that walks out, the grizzled leader veteran that has throwing knives in my jacket, a monkey on my shoulder, yeah. and, you know, like and, a sword. And a genie and a lamp. Yeah, like... Okay. Oh, yeah, sorry. But, it's just, <laughs> and and <laughs> moving on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Excellent, man. So I, I think we kind of already really talked about final thoughts and everything on this. Yeah, I, I think I love no matter what, it's yeah, it, it sounds like it's going to be really fun to play. I'm going to say this now, but I feel like I'm going to say this every time. I can't wait to make an entertainer that I'm actually going to play as. Right. Because there's just in going through, again, this is the first deep dive that we've done. And even then, we, I, I mean, we could probably go, go farther with it, but I, I can't wait to make a character and to play this character. Absolutely. Again, I, I mean, as a, as a GM, if I have a player who I know is super outgoing, it, right now I'm thinking of my, my friend group, and a buddy of mine, Ben, would be perfect for this because he's super outgoing. He's super, he does voices. He's got like a dozen different voices he'll just bust out at any random time. And the whole time I just thought like this is the perfect character for him. Nice. It would make for a fun session and a fun campaign just having him at the table being an entertainer. Right. Right, right. The role playing opportunities are near endless with this. Yeah, I agree. There's some really cool stuff. All right, guys. Well, our review is complete. Uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed us digging into those two careers. But now it's time for our build off. Uh, so we're going to put our creative juices to the test. We, your host, has taken one of these two careers, each of us. So I've taken the Huffer, and Matt has done the Entertainer. And we've created a character in hopes to outdo each other in this contest of coolness and creativity. <laughs> so uh, once we've reviewed our creations, we'll put them to the test and have you, the community, vote and tell us who won. So we'll put some stuff out there on the interwebs. Yes. So here are the rules. Each of us will be assigned one of the careers we've reviewed, and then we must create a character using the normal character creation rules. In addition, once we've completed character creation, we will receive a thousand earned XP to advance our character however we'd like. 
yeah, I feel like a thousand XP is a good it's a good round number we found to like really let you kind of get into your career. Right. Uh, now, obviously, one of the big things is in this uh, system is to not just stay in one career. You can go to different careers and stuff. Right. So, but obviously, for the purpose of what we're doing here, we're reviewing these careers. We're gonna we're gonna stick with them. So, yeah. there's definitely something to be said about starting in a career that you don't want just to get some advances in that skill. Right, right. And then come over. But we're going to we're gonna try to avoid that. We're going to go tried and true with just the career that we just reviewed. So Lance, get us started. Okay. So my character is Claus the Huffer. The way I make my characters is they kind of grow as I go through character creation. So uh, I'm just going to kind of take you through the process here. So I did uh, randomize out uh, a human here. And I rolled up his attributes. Uh, I had some weak attributes with um, initiative. One of my uh, ones, my go-to ones, coming in at a twenty-three. Ooh. Yeah, it was pretty rough. Boy, uh, that's that's hard to get. Man, that's hard to roll. Yeah, I did it though. Um, I had several twenties in this. I had some some rough rolls. Uh, my strongest was a thirty-four in toughness and okay. a thirty-four in intelligence. Those were my two best rolls. Luckily. And I, I didn't mean to interrupt necessarily, but oh, I one of my highest talents or one of my highest characteristics was fellowship. So nice. that worked out well for the entertainer. Nice. Excellent. So, well, I actually went through and um, started figuring out like what kind of character I wanted to be. And um, so I just took all my characteristics straight up, just the way they rolled out. And then I set my starting fate and uh, resilience. I left my resilience at two, put four into fate. He... Is not as resilient guy. He's he's a lucky guy. I feel like that's such a good balance. That four and two. That four and two is where I'd like to land. I that I, that to be to be fair though, we haven't really experienced all the system has to offer when it comes to uses for resilience. I think I think corruption and really tough yeah. battles that you can't get out of are where we're going to see all of a sudden our resilience is like oh my gosh it's gone. Yeah, <laughs> right, so, right, right. But we'll we'll see. Yeah, so uh, you know, I went ahead and put my all of my my characteristic advances. I put all five into agility to bring my agility up a little bit uh, because I was at a twenty eight in agility and that was really rough, uh, and I wanted him to have a little bit more there. And then species skills. So uh, I went ahead and got charm, cool, and language wastelander. So at this point, I started building on my story of my character that he actually was a huffer from the Altdorf area and kind of helped work the area between Altdorf and uh, Marienburg. And so picked up some Wastelander language as he's doing that. Um, and along with that, got melee, basic, lore, and gossip, uh, some standard stuff. He got doomed, and uh, I felt like it would be really appropriate to have a doom that fit with him. So I said, flowing water will her- herald your doom. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and, and he's a huffer. I feel like that'll, that'll oh, work. Oh, gosh. I know. Isn't it terrible? You're basically, you're, you're always on that. You're just, you're always <laughs> towing the line between life and death, essentially. <laughs> right. If you were doomed at a young age about flowing water, why on earth would you become a huffer? Because it's Warhammer. You're, you're staring I, in the I, face I, of fate and saying, screw you. <laughs> I'm going to do this anyways. Nice. And then you fall out, hit your head, and you drown. So that's... Right. So uh, I took Savvy as the other one, got the permanent plus five to my intelligence. Uh, my random skills were Luck, uh, Supernumerate, and Lightning Reflexes. 
um, which the lightning reflexes is a permanent five to agility. So all of a sudden my agility went from one of my worst to a decent uh, score there, which that worked out really well. And then I basically put five into most of my other career uh, skills. Alcohol, um, consume alcohol, like all the ones you see there. I did do gossip only to two, um, so I could bring it up to the five that I needed and, and left it. And I put lore riverways up to eight. Sure. I wanted to have lore riverways be a little bit higher because he would need to know this. And so at this point, I'm trying to decide what I'm doing with my character. And so I've decided that Claus, uh, actually had a really bad run and he promised a little more than he should have been able to handle um, doing a nighttime huffer job uh, guiding river guiding through a group that he knew were wreckers river pirates and he made a mistake that shipment that boat got stuck crashed um, the Altdarf guard uh, just happened to come by most of those people were hanged mm. um, and a few managed to escape or bribe their way out it cost everything that this gang had to get the enough to bribe their way to freedom again usually with uh less fingers and stuff from the the guard and so claus couldn't be a huffer in the aldarf area anymore <laughs> he he was a he wanted man right yeah so he uh he went up river uh pretty far so at that point he's like claus is is somebody that he's always dreamed of being an adventurer but he can't ever get to the sea where he thinks the adventure is because Altdorf's on the way and he's staying up river uh. because he doesn't want he doesn't want to risk it because he is wanted dead by the criminal syndicates there sure for for what he did so moving on so i definitely said oh he's not getting night vision is one of his talents he doesn't have night vision which is why he made that mistake ah yeah. okay so i like it yeah so instead i gave him waterman and uh which is a, is a cool talent in itself. Yeah. So like he wants to be an adventurer and he's dedicating himself to being a, a better because it's always haunted by that huge mistake that costs so many lives. Even though there were criminals and cutthroats, they still a lot of people ended up dying because of that mistake. He sure. Made. So, so as we moved on, uh, you know, I gave him. He had his normal character details: light brown hair, pale blue eyes, that sort of thing. Age twenty two. Um, and actually, we're at the ambitions. So let's talk a little bit more about the ambitions. What's driving him? So he wants to get this adventuring gear because, and you might have noticed, his name is Claus, which is Wastelander name, uh, because his father was a Wastelander. His ma- mother was from Altdorf, and uh, his father left to go on this adventure. He kept talking about golden cities in in the New World and golden cities in this place called Lustria on the other side of the sea. And so he went down to Marienburg and was never seen. His mom raised him until she passed away, and she had got together with this huffer, this other huffer, which showed him the ways until that huffer also was killed in that wreck. Well, not killed by the wreck, but um, was captured and assumed to be part of the wreckers and was hanged with them. So his short-term ambition is to get the adventuring gear that he needs to go. Mm. Try okay. to find a way to make it past Altdorf because the only ways he knows are the rivers. Sure. But his long-term adventure is to find his father in the new world. Mm. It's so, I mean, that's a that's a campaign-ending adventure sure. as he sails across the oh, sea yeah. probably to die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, now I have my advancement, right? So I had uh, about uh, 70 experience points from character creation left over. And I went ahead and I put 50 in that to uh, bump up my weapon skill a couple of points. 
and I uh, had 20 left over, and now I have a thousand experience to spend, right? So this thousand experience represents all that time that Claus is working up the river, trying to become a better huffer, earn enough money to really get started so he can try to get passage and sneak by Altdorf and hopefully never get caught by the gangs that want him dead, the few survivors that hold a huge grudge against him. So he'll bring up his weapon skill uh, to uh, with 75 experience. So bringing me up uh, to seven advances there for to bring me up to a, a clean 40 in weapon skills. He's preparing for the fight that he thinks he's going to eventually have to have. Um, I advance the toughness up, uh, and I spend 100 experience to move from, you know, to the second tier of Huffer. And then I just spend a bunch of experience with, like I said, the weapon skill, toughness, and initiative to get them all up to the next bonus level. So yeah. 40, 40, and 30, ex- okay. respectively. Then I advanced uh, willpower, and then I put um, five advances into intuition. I definitely think that this is one of the strengths of the Huffer with the initiative, and intuition I think would be huge, um, giving me 10 advances into intuition, which is huge. And I mean that alone means that I'll he'll have a uh, Claus has a forty when he's doing intuition tests and trying to figure out what people are thinking, uh, which can help him be a good face character as well. Um, I put more into lore riverways, so my lore riverways is uh, going to be testing at a fifty, and I bought navigation and I went full on with a full ten advances mm. into navigation as well. After that, I picked up a couple of extra talents: nose for trouble and river guide. Um, and, uh, these all really helped solidify some of the, uh, different things that he can do, um, as far as the, uh, just more of the river stuff. Right. And then I had my last 15 or uh, 10 experience points. I, I bought Langood's Kazalid. So he speaks a little dwarvish now. He, uh, from his experience on the riverways, just like a random thing that I threw, I had an extra 10 experience. So. So there's Claus. Uh, Claus is my uh, Reichland Altdorf-born father from the wasteland, Huffer, who dreams of finding his father in the golden cities of New Lustria, but because of early decisions in his life, is wanted by the criminals, and he's afraid to go down the river to start his adventure. Sounds like somebody that is perfect to start an adventuring career in a Warhammer Fantasy roleplay game. Nice. Beat that, buddy. Oh, yeah. I, I, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I'm excited to hear yours. I'm really excited. Yeah, yeah. So I made an entertainer, of course, uh, named Penler Schmidt. I love him already. Well, there we go. Lance <laughs> just conceded. I win this round. <laughs> now, I so Penler, which I mentioned earlier, I'm a huge uh, magic fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, magician, not magic together, which is good, too. Uh, so anyways, Penler is Penn and Teller. I just kind of mashed those up. Oh, it's always okay. been a, a, yeah. a naming system that I've used going all the way back to like my early days of naming final fantasy characters and world of Warcraft characters. I take and I somebody spent, that I admire uh, and mash their name together. And there it is. And I spent 20 minutes going through random name generators yeah. for like Dutch names to find the perfect clause. Yes. <laughs> well, so Pendler Schmidt is young. He's only 21 years old. Five eleven has red blonde hair and gray eyes. Those are all like the, Sure. The ones that are going to come up most often. I stuck mostly with just rolling for attributes, rolling for mm-hmm. everything. Uh, just like you, I ended with an extra 70 experience starting out. Luckily, I rolled high for fellowship, so that started at 32. Ooh, nice. However, to boost that, I did take the suave 
skill. Okay. Or a school of talent, so I got a plus five to that. By the time I was done with character creation, charm is at uh, 60. I have 18 advances oh, in charm. Dang. Partially because when I got to where I did the skills and talents, I, uh, being a human, I rolled for three random talents, and I got attractive. So yes! This is basically... So you started what, your character with attractive and suave, or yes. not suave. Was yes, it, yeah, yes, yeah. suave. Awesome. Suaved. Uh, the other two random ones I came up with are pure soul and then animal affinity. Nice. So I'm going hard down the path of being this like flamboyant over the top, you know, the, where, okay, the entertained skill I chose acting. So those all tie into each other, right? Pendler has always been attractive and he knows that by the way people treat him, right? He's known that his whole life. So he's digging deep into that and running it for all it's worth. So he's got a huge basic scale and charm rolling 60 on that. Uh, the other ones I bumped up, of course, my fellowship is super high. I put five advances into that characteristic. So it's at 42 nice. before I even started doing anything else with it. Of course I took him to the second level. I feel like that's a, that's a no brainer mm-hmm. in doing these characters like this, which opened up being able to do, uh, have, ranged throwing weapons nice so one of the things i picked up were some throwing knives mm-hmm. and my intent and i didn't go deep enough to like write all this out necessarily but my intent was that he would use like poisoned weapons and juggle uh, because okay. the perform skill that he has is juggling so juggling with poisoned weapons a is what a big showman would do right he's trying to like impress everybody but also if you're out in the field and you're juggling these things you may distract somebody long enough to throw a knife in their neck and if it's poisoned they're poisoned right that just sounds like a lot of fun nice i love it so another talent i took right out of the gate public speaking again this ties into having a an enormously high fellowship right so all that together means this character is just over the top loud he's going to get your attention he's going to hold your attention and he's going to charm your pants off yeah this is like a social king that you built. Yes, exactly. This will be the face of the face of the party for sure. For sure. Be able to get you into some, but out of most situations, hopefully just by talking his way out of it. Awesome. Uh, what do you got for ambitions? Uh, ambitions, the first one, this kind of ties into having the animal affinity and then also getting to that third mm-hmm. career uh, tier so I can get animal care, animal training. Short-term ambition is to own a horse. Mm. Again, I... I so much of what we talked about before was based off of this character that I'd already made. So right, right. the idea of like riding a horse with a bow, which the you start with a ranged bow as a basic skill, which again, not being able to boost up that ballistic skill until you mm-hmm. get to that third third tier makes it kind of difficult, you know, unless you roll really well into it. Right. But mounted combat with a bow and arrow all day. Yeah. Sounds... Sign me up for that. That sounds like so much fun. Right. Long-term ambition is to join the renowned Reichland Acting Company. <laughs> so that's kind of like an end goal for him. Right. So spending spending the XP, most of it was just getting to that point where I could bump him up to the second tier. I obviously put a lot into fellowship and a lot into charm. I bought into a handful of talents, specifically contortionist and trick riding. So right. I'm like basically preparing for some uh, future potentiality with him, but... Yeah, I'm real excited. 
I'm not saying that like I'm gonna save this character sheet so when Otto eventually dies in our in our campaign that I can move right over to this one, but maybe. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I love it. That's a, that's really cool. Yep. All right. Well, there you have it, Old Worlders. We have two characters. We have an entertainer. Uh, what was the entertainer's name again? Pendler Schmidt. Excellent. And we have Claus the Huffer. So uh, go out there, look for our Twitter, look for our Facebook. We'll have those out for, I don't know, Twitter lets you do it for a week or two or something like that. So we'll, we'll push it out for whatever that is and uh, let us know who won. And then uh, we'll have some bragging rights. So. Yeah. Anyway, I think that's it for our show well, yeah, tonight. Keep in mind, too, that we're going to have the, the polls for what, what uh, careers we're going to do next. It's likely that... We probably won't put those up every time. We There might be a time where we just want to pick a specific career, but keep an eye out for polls because we want your input on what we're going to do next, and we'll go from there. Right. Uh, let us know, too. Send us a tweet. Uh, just let us know, hey, do this career next or whatever, and we'll, we'll keep track of that. And, for sure. And uh, grab the ones we like, you know, the ones that are, seem to be the most popular or whatever. You know, drop us an email at questions at oldworldpodcast.com. You know, yeah. So. Twitter. Twitter's great. Twitter. Yeah. At Old World Podcast. Um, That's right. I guess I'm kind of doing the uh, the uh, social media plug there. But yes, yeah, so you can follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Facebook. Uh, just search Old World Podcast and check us out. Also, make sure to let us know what you think. Visit iTunes or your preferred podcast service and rate us. Every review helps us reach even more Warhammer fans. Excellent. Before we go here, guys, we want to one, one more time just thank you again for joining us today. We really enjoy digging into these careers. I highly recommend that you randomly generate careers in this system when you're starting a new character and then really look into that career because it might be a gem for you that you might not even realize it would be fun. Having said that, our next episode, it's going to be a little dependent. We're hoping that we'll be reviewing the fourth edition starter set. It's going to depend on when that PDF releases and we're definitely wanting to talk about that, what's in there and everything. We possibly have a, a guest host with us as well, so we'll announce more on that as we get closer. But that's what we're looking at. If not, then we might do something else. Who knows? Maybe we'll do some more careers. But yeah, we're definitely looking forward to that. So thank you so much for uh, listening, guys. And this is Lance saying good night, and don't come complaining to me if your barge hits a sandbar. I told you to hire a huffer. <laughs> this is Matt. Hey, pay attention to me juggling these knives while my colleague steals from you. (laughs) Love it. This podcast and related website are completely unofficial and are not endorsed by Games Workshop Limited or Cubicle 7 Entertainment. It is intended for educational and informational purposes only. GW Games Workshop, Warhammer, Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, and all associated logos, illustrations, images, names, creatures, races, vehicles, locations, weapons, characters, and the distinctive likenesses thereof are registered trademarks of Games Workshop Limited, Cubicle 7 Entertainment, or their respective trademark or copyright holders. All original content of this podcast, including any audio or video information, is the intellectual property of the Old World Podcast and Crimson Tower Studios, LLC.